Good morning. Amen. Amen. All right. All right. I know it's been it's been said over and over this morning, but we we really want to honor the strong women of TSF. We know, we know that we would never have made it this far and this long without all of you. So if we could just take one quick moment for all the moms, moms-to-be, all the strong women who stand in as moms, if you would just stand. You know, here at TSF, you don't, you don't even have to have your own children. You are moms. We just want to put a little something in your hands, and we're going to ask you to look up at the screens as we kill these lights. And Every hour of every day, we are grandmothers who are also playing the role of primary caretaker. We are moms who are waiting to have children and trying our best to see the struggle through the eyes of God. We are moms who are learning the challenges of a blended family. We are moms in the workplace who are trying our best to balance competing expectations and demands. We are moms with adult children who are leaving our homes to pursue their own dreams. For packing lunches late at night, for cleaning out their backpacks, and filling them again for offering gentle guidance to your own grown children for becoming taxi drivers and appointment schedulers for making sure the right baby doll is in their arms before they go to sleep for helping them pay back their student loans for cleaning and sterilizing and cooking for doing their laundry and his laundry and our laundry for praying and loving and forgiving and falling down and rising to your feet again. For the mom who is overworked and exhausted. For the mom who seems to spend a million hours on a million little things. For the mom who pours Jesus into her family as best she can. And God himself not only celebrates what you do, but rejoices over the uniqueness of who you are. You are seen and you are loved without limits. Welcome to Mother's Day. Yeah. Amen, amen. Amen, amen. Here's, here's the quote this morning. You ready? Let's press in. Let's press in. God does not judge the condition or quality of his church by how good the meetings are on Sunday morning, but by how good the people are on Monday morning. The main calling of our life is more than just knowing the truth. It's having the truth become our life. Amen? Now, if you know me by now, you know I did not prepare a mushy, heartwarming, 
tale of two mothers from the Bible. This is TSF, not Hallmark. As a matter of fact, if you look through the Word, the Bible doesn't give you many mothers and fathers to want to be like. Have you noticed that? There, there's some good references, there's some, some people did some good things, you'll find some good examples, there's plenty of bad examples of bad parenting, but there aren't many men and women in the word if you, that you could just look up and say, if I could only be that kind of mother, if I could only be that kind of father, and I believe that God intended it this way, because ultimately, God's word is about him. It's about the gospel. It's not pointing us to men. It's pointing us to God. Somebody say amen. God, God is saying, I am your father. See, the only hero in the Bible is God. We, we have a problem. We make heroes out of everybody in the Bible. We, look at, we think about the story of David and Goliath, little David and the big Goliath, and, and you think, wow, man, David was a hero. He stood in. No, if you think a teenager with a rock could take out a giant all on his own, The hero of that story is God. We think about Daniel and the lion's den. You know, just the the, the simple stories that maybe we know because we've seen it in kids' books and stuff, right? And Daniel and the lion's den, he gets thrown into a den of lions. The next morning they come get him and there's no scratches on him. And we think, man, Daniel is amazing. No. God shut the mouths of the lions. The hero of the story is God. You and I were created to worship God, to bring him glory. Listen, you could hear a lot of messages on Sunday morning all over the country or online, and you could walk away feeling like it's the other way around. Like God was created for our glory. Like God was created, he exists to make me happy. He exists to bring you joy. He exists to bring you wealth, to bring you prosperity and all good things. Like if that's God's job. Yeah, welcome to Mother's Day. And, and see, in our, in our self-absorbed, self-centered society, sometimes we need to be reminded that he's the creator and we're the created ones. No amens? So if it's okay, we're going to talk about him and us and where we stand with him this morning. Amen? In a message titled, We Gotta Get This Right. I, I know it's not good English, but, but you have to say it that way. We got to get this right. For, for the teachers, we, we, we must uh, correctly do this, you know, however you want to. But we got to get this right, amen? I came to remind somebody today that we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good things God, that God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them, Ephesians 3.20. We were created for his glory. Listen, let's think about the whole scheme of things. He created some angels that all the angels do is worship. Or in heaven, all you'll hear in the background, the the elevator music in in, in heaven will just be holy, holy, holy. These these perfect harmonies and, and, and mixes and music of just singing. These angels are created to worship God, and that's all they were. Then apparently there were some other angels that he made that were created with a choice. To worship him or not. And, and we were created like that. In, but we were made in his image. We were, we were image bearers. 
Listen, you, you, you got to get this. We're image bearers. And so, so he gave us that choice as well. And, but he made us worshipers because we're his image bearers. We were created to glorify God, to worship him with our lives. Worship is what we do. We don't always worship God, but worship is who we are. Let me prove it to you. The way we live our lives will always point to something. Look at the things we do for money. Because we worship wealth. Look at the thing. It got quiet. Look, look at the thing. Even the kids said, huh? Look at the things that we do to be noticed because we worship attention. Social media has crippled us. Look what I'm eating for lunch. Look what I'm eating for dinner. This is me sweating because I ate too much lunch and too much dinner. This is me cleaned up because I'm going out tonight. How many likes did I get? How many? Why did my sandwich get more likes than me? How come? Look at the things that we do to get noticed because we worship attention. Look at the things that we do at sporting events and concerts because we worship people. You ever seen people lose their minds at a concert? Like lose their minds. Like the person that you came to see, he, he, he looks this way, you know, and there's 40 million people there, but, but somebody's going, oh my God, he looked at me. <laughs> right? Because we worship people. Sporting events. Look, listen, nothing wrong with sports, but I, I hear I have guys around me at work, and this is all they talk about, and I hear them all day. Man, listen, I think we're going to have a good season. I think, listen, if we do, it, this is all we got to do. If we get this guy, I know we lost this guy, but if we get this guy, then we're going to be all right because what we need to do, I think we're in good for this. And I'm, I'm thinking, like, wait, do you work for that team? What's all the we about? Do they know, like, you're planning here at my job? And, 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 and I think what, what I often wonder, what if we spoke that way about the kingdom, which we are a part of, which team we are a part of? What if we spoke that way, right? But look at the things that we do because we worship. We worship pleasure. Pornography is worship. <laughs> I wish I left now. Can we just go eat Mother's Day brunch, please? <laughs> this has got to go there. Some of us worship food. We worship excitement. Don't point at people. That's not nice. We, we worship excitement. Listen, if we weren't created to worship, do you think that people could make a porcelain statue with some viejas face and a dress and people would bow down and worship it and cry to it and kiss its feet and put water and put food and put money to a God that if you hit the dresser, she'll break? We worship breakable gods. Why? Because we were created to worship. Worship is who we are. Amen? We worship things. We worship ourselves. We can't help it. We were created for worship. If we're not worshiping God, then we're going to worship something. Lucifer fell because he wanted the worship that God was getting. Lucifer saw the worship that was going, and in his pride, he, he, he wanted to redirect that worship. Guess what? He still does. 
The enemy's biggest campaign, his project is redirecting our worship. Take it from him and put it there. Take it from him, put it there. Take the worship from him and put it on this. Take it from him, put it on me. Take it, redirecting our worship. If he can get us to believe a lie, he knows we'll worship it because we're worshipers and worship is who we are. I know that you know that worship isn't just the music portion of the service, right? But even during that portion, think about how often you get distracted. Think about how many trips. You're here an hour, hour and a half if you came on time. <clears throat> you go to the store three times. You go to the bathroom three or four times. You check Instagram, Facebook every five minutes. You're texting people. You're talking to people. Somebody crying with mocos and everything. And you're like, no, but you know that. No, but this guy, I don't know what she said. She said something. She went to me, something like that. And, you went, and you're talking, right? Think about that, how, how distracted we get during worship. There's a battle for your worship. The question is not will we worship, we're already worshipers. The question is who or what will we worship. And that's a question we need to ask daily and we got to get this right. Amen? That might be one reason why in the scriptures we don't see all these great moms and these excellent dads because our tendency is to worship the created things instead of the creator. And so God knows if he gives us these perfect men, we'll worship them. We see it throughout the scriptures. Paul, in, when he, he, he planted the church in Corinth, and then he was hearing things that was happening in that church, and he had to write them a letter, and that's, that's 1 Corinthians. And in, in there, he's telling, he was rebuking the church at Corinth for being divided because the people in Corinth were saying, Some, I follow Paul, I follow Apollos. They were divided the church by pastors and saying, well, I follow him, he's mine, he's my pastor, he's my pastor. And, I, and, the, and the church was divided, and they were talking about each other, and there was quarreling and backbiting. And Paul says in 1 Corinthians, he says, you guys, I wish that I could bring you meat, but I have to put the nipple in your mouth because you're still babies in Christ. You are still worldly, 1 Corinthians 3.3. 3. He says, listen, me, Paul, Apollo, we're nothing. We plant a seed. Apollo's water is it. Only God can make it grow. He's saying he's the hero of the story. God's greater goal is not just for us to be great moms or excellent dads. He wants our lives to bring him glory. I mean, let's be honest. We can probably, probably be good moms and not have a relationship with God. We can probably be good dads and not have a, be reconciled to God. But if our definition of good comes from God, then even our good parenting brings Him glory. Let, the, the, Paul says, let everything we do bring Him glory. Do you know that when you're in Christ, everything you do brings God's, bring God's glory? When you get together and you have fun and you laugh and you eat and drink, God's, Paul says, let it, let it be done to His glory. Isn't that amazing? We make things so religious. Well, the only thing that can glorify God is when I'm in church, standing straight, raising a hand when Ephraim says to, and jumping up and down when he tells me to. And that's the only thing that can bring him glory. The Word says, let everything we do bring God glory. Everything I am, I tell a joke and you laugh. Let it bring God glory. We, we eat, we drink, we fellowship, we have a good time. Let it bring God glory. 
See, the, the problem, we, we need to let God define good. And, and good should be whatever God says is good. And what he says is no good, it doesn't matter how you feel about that. It's no good. We, to today, we can't say anything because people get offended, right? Oh, no, we can't. This is, this. Listen, if God says it's good, it's good. If God says it's no good, it's no bueno. It doesn't matter if you're offended by it. It doesn't matter if you say, well, that's not fair. These people need a right. These people, shut up. If God says it's good, it's good. If God says it's no good, it's no good. Amen? I mean, arguing with that is, is like point. It's like uh, like writing Bentley and, and telling Bentley, uh, I don't like the B that you put on your cars. They'll say, you know what? I don't care what you don't like because people are pay- paying $500,000 to drive this car. And we don't even have a commercial because we don't need one. So you don't like the B, I don't care. Right? And like, it doesn't matter. That's like us. You, you understand? It's a little. Anyway. We can't let society or culture define good because if we do, it'll redirect our worship. And the battle is for our worship. And we got to get this right. God has already defined good for us. He's already told us how to act, how to treat one another, how to respond to one another, how we should honor, how we should forgive. God defined love for us by giving us what cost him and laying down his life. God said, this is love. I'll show you love. God defines love and he illustrates our walk for us by giving us what we didn't deserve and couldn't possibly earn. Can somebody say amen? The measure of a mother, of a father, of a husband, of a wife, of a friend, of a Christian, of a man and woman of God is determined by their measure of love that they walk in. Listen, this doesn't sound like a really uh, Christian message, but this is the word. This is what your word says. If you knew it, you'd amen. Our measure is determined by our measure of love, right? God shows his love for us by his actions in, and in his word. We call it the love chapter. How many know what the love chapter is? What is it? All right, Derek knows. That's it, you know. Everybody else, if you need to ask something, ask Derek. 1 Corinthians 13. If you've been to any wedding, you, you've heard the verse. Amen? Love is patient. Love is kind. Love it, right? You, you know, right? First Corinthians. Every time I do a wedding, I have to include that verse because, listen, two imperfect people coming together to be one need to have a definition of love to work with. This last wedding I just did on, on Cinco de Mayo. Shout out to Team Cinco de Boda. They, they flipped it on me. I usually ask the couple separately to tell me why they've chosen each other. Because I like to kind of include that in the ceremony, right? I ask them, you know, what's special about this person? What's the big deal about him? What's the big deal about her? Why, why are we here today to do this wedding? And the last one, this last one that I did, the husband-to-be, he wrote, and when answering those questions, he wrote about her. And, and he told me this. He says, she's shown me God's love, and he went through 1 Corinthians with her name in it. And it, he wrote, she is patient and kind. She doesn't envy or boast. 
She's not arrogant. She's not rude. She doesn't insist on her own way. She's not irritable or resentful. She doesn't rejoice at wrongdoings. She rejoices with the truth. She bears all things. She believes all things. She hopes all things. She endures all things. It seems like her love will never end. Come on, say, ah. Those of us that have been married longer than three minutes, we, I know what you're thinking. Like, give her some time. <laughs> but listen, 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 listen. That's not the point. As beautiful and as oh, as that is, the real issue is this. Is anyone saying that about you? Even the kids are quiet. Even the kids are saying, shh. <laughs> Jesus told, I love this. Jesus told us in John 13, 34, a new command I give you, love one another. I know, first time I've ever read that to you, right? As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. Listen, if love is the definition of how everyone would know us, if bringing God glory is loving God, and Jesus said in John 14, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. And in John 13, he says, a new command I give you that you will love one another. Then it stands to reason, math, worshiping God, bringing God glory is loving him and loving each other. My God. So I bring God glory by loving you. I bring God glory by, by, by connecting with you and by loving you and by accepting you and by being with you and by fellowshipping with you and by eating and drinking and laughing and playing. I, I bring God glory when I fellowship with you. What does that mean? The opposite of that. What am I doing when I'm talking about you? What am I doing when I'm backbiting, when I'm spreading rumors, when I'm bringing division, when I'm saying, you know, this guy over here, he says this, but, you know, and this, when we do, what is, that's the opposite of loving God. That's the opposite of bringing, go <coughs> church, we got to get this right. People that know us should be speaking about us the way that husband-to-be spoke about his future wife. They should be saying, listen, listen, they should be saying, they should be saying, bro, the people from that church, and I mean like not just TSF, but the church in general, wherever there's a church on the block and there's people around, the people around should be saying, bro, that the people from that church, they're so patient, they're so kind. They're so envious. They're not always bragging. They're not arrogant or prideful. They're not rude. Man, they're, they're not irritable. They're not resentful. They don't celebrate wrongdoing. Bro, those guys, all they do is rejoice with truth. No matter how people treat them, they bear all things. No matter what happens, they endure all. That, that place was shut down for six months, and they kept on and kept on until they got it open. They endure all things. No matter, you can't shake their belief or their hope. It seems like their love never ends. Now, I don't know about you, and in your circles, maybe you're hearing that all the time, but I listen to people, and I'm not hearing that about the church. I, on the contrary, I'm hearing people talk about Christians and the church in a whole different light. My neighbor goes to church. She ain't kind at all. She's the meanest woman I ever met. These are things I've heard. My brother's, always in, my brother's always in church. He's the most arrogant, judgmental person I ever met. 
My sister-in-law go to church. Don't even get me started on her. Do, do you know that people read the things that we post to one another on social media? And they say, see, that's why I don't go to church. They hear us talking about each other on social media. And they go, you see, that's why I don't go to church. That's sister holiness right there. She's always talking about church, always talking about church. Look, she's at this. And, and, and the world will say, that's why I don't go to church. The church has become a stumbling block to the kingdom of heaven. God. God have mercy on us. The church is a stumbling block to the kingdom of heaven. The, the, do you understand that the church is the only hope for the world? The only hope for the world. If we don't get it right, they won't get it right. You, you understand that? If we don't get it right, they won't get it right. And if we could be in here and not get it right, they don't stand a chance. We got to get this right. It's frequently said that the only Bible that the world will read is the daily life of the Christian. From what I see, the world needs a new revised version. Did I offend anyone yet? I'm still going to try. The other day, I came out, my, my, uh, my wife always falls asleep with the TV on. And so I will not, um, uh, I won't agree or deny that we watch any of these shows, but this show was on. <laughs> How many of you, come on, let's confess. How many of you watch Housewives of all the stupid places? Housewives of Atlanta, Housewives of New York, Housewives of the Little People, Housewives of, there's a million different Housewives, right? This this, I came out, I came out to, I come to the room and that show is on. And it's, and it's one of the finales, you know, the finale where they all sit around and they talk about the whole season. And my God, does that get ugly. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Two of you, the rest of you lying? Okay. And I'm watching these, these ladies and they're fighting about everything. They hate each other. They fight about everything. They're, they're saying this and that and this one that. Well, you're this and you're this and you're this. Your mother this and your father that. And you are a crack whatever. And you're this, that. And your kids and your, your mama's kids. And, your, and they're going on and on. And it's hard. And understand something. You have to understand. These are not like poor women. These are women where if you look at this show, they have everything. Watch this. They have everything. They have mansions that won't fit inside this warehouse. They have acres. They have little ponies running around their land. They're driving cars that they could possibly not understand how those cars work. They're driving three, $400,000 cars just to go to the coffee shop and back to the house, to the friend's house and back. They're getting in these cars that we're looking at and like drooling over. Like, oh my, are you serious? That's your like regular humpty? Right? They have everything that you could want. Everything that you and I would, some of us would say, bro, if I just had that, I'd be straight. I'd be like a nice person. Right? Right? 
<laughs> if I could live in a house like that with ponies running around and with a pool and a butler and people cooking for me and people bringing love. These, they throw parties. They throw parties bigger than most of our weddings for nothing because it's Thursday. Right? They have everything. They Bentleys and Ferraris and, and their closets. Oh, my God. Their closets don't fit in the learning center. They're clo- they're, there's displays for bags. And I know you guys are getting excited right now, some of you. There's displays for shoes that you spin around, and there's more shoes and more shoes and, and more shoes. And then this room is just jewelry. And, and they're not stores. That's their personal closets. They have everything, and they cannot have any happiness they can't get along they'll sit there and and they'll hate on each other and hate on each other and listen if this one hates if this one is friends with this one then all right we're cool but the minute this one pisses this one off then i don't hate i hate her too i hate she's a tramp she's this this, i hate her too if this one hates this one now now we hate each other and then no now we're good we're good we besties we besties oh no now you don't like her me either i hate i never liked her i never liked her that's why it makes good TV, because people love to hear that drama. But, but, but I'm watching this. They, they, they hate each other. They can't find anything good. They can't find anything good about each other. And, and then they're, they're, they're so, some of them even say they're Christians, which just makes me laugh. These are grown women. This isn't like 15 and pregnant. These are grown women with kids and grandkids, and they're still acting this way. And, and as I'm watching this, immediately I felt in my spirit, that's how people must look at the church. That kid caught the spirit right there. He said, Preach it, Paton. That's how people must look at the church. We have everything. We have everything for life and godliness. We have things. We, have, we walk by faith and not by sight. So whatever we don't have, we know that God can provide. Whatever we can't afford, we know that God can bring. Whatever we can't do, we know that He can. Whatever door we can't open, we know that He can open. Whatever. You understand? We, we have everything. We have everything. (laughs) Second Peter says, His his divine power has granted to us all things pertaining to life and godliness. God has given us everything we need for life and godliness. When we believe in Christ, we get sealed with the Spirit of God and we become a temple. Listen, catch this picture. What did people do at the temple? People went to worship at the temple to worship God. People at the temple went to hear from God. People went to the temple to to grow in God, to have an experience with God. In the New Testament, we are that temple. People have to come to us to experience God. People come to us to worship God. People come to us to have an encounter with God. We are that temple. The same spirit that was in the temple is in us. You, you got to get this. Listen, that Holy Spirit, when we believed on Jesus, we earned the right to be called Christians, to be called sons and daughters of the Most High God, to be included and grafted into the branch, to be in Him, to abide in Him and have Him abide in us in that, so that we never have to do things alone. The Holy Spirit is known by many names and titles which explain some of its functions and aspects. Listen, the Holy Spirit is called the author of Scripture and that's inside us. 
Some of you say, I, don't, I read the Bible, I don't understand it. Keep reading it because the author of Scripture is in you. And he'll bring it, he'll make it make sense to you. Another name is he's the comforter, he's the counselor, he's the advocate. So in us, we can find comfort of God and the counsel of God. In us, you don't have to go to somebody to lay hands on your forehead and knock you down. In you, the Spirit of God is in us, and we can find counsel and comfort in us. He's the convictor of sins. Listen, we all... We have in us a checking system. If something makes you uncomfortable in the spirit, it's probably no bueno. We have the, another name of his is the deposit and the seal. See, the spirit of God is the down payment on our future inheritance. He's the seal. You know what the seal, let me make it you know, kind of current. You know when you go to a club and they mark you? I know, none of you go to clubs. I, I know. But remember when you were young and in the world and worldly? All right, listen. You know when you go to a resort and they give you a bracelet? Right? You're all-inclusive. You pay for that all-inclusive joint so you get the bracelet. And so that means you're marked. You have a seal. Everywhere, every restaurant you go, you go. Bring two of those guys. Bring some more, Wait, more extra guacamole, right? I mean, because, because you have a seal. The Holy Spirit is a seal in us, giving us full access. It's a mark on us. We're, we're marked. The Holy Spirit is the guide. Those who belong to Christ have an indwelling spirit that guides us into all that we need to know and understand. He's the intercessor, the revealer, the teacher, the spirit of life. We've been given everything we need to get this thing right. All we have to do is walk in it. Yet too often, we don't even want to get along with each other. And we're only friendly to the people that we like. Church, listen. Don't ignore me on this and say, I never heard it. You heard it. We're only friendly to the people we like. If we would get into our understanding that we were created to worship, that we were image bearers, that the battle that we face every day is for our worship. The battle to give in to lust is a battle for my worship. The battle to give in to gossip and to be contentious is a battle for my worship. The battle to give in to anger and to hold on to unforgiveness, that's a battle for my worship. I cannot worship God at the altar of unforgiveness. I can't bring God glory while I'm tearing somebody down. My Lord. I can't, I can't bring God glory while I'm tearing somebody down. While I'm talking in here. Did you see who, who so-and-so came in with today? Did you see what, see what homegirl is wearing? Did you see? I can't, I can't glorify God while I'm, while I'm looking at other people. When the disciples asked Jesus, oh, this is good, this is good. Now I'm getting into the message. Just kidding. When, when the disciples asked Jesus, but I'm not. Um, when the disciples asked Jesus, how should we pray? He gave them a 30-second prayer. You know it, the Our Father, right? Simple prayer. 30, you can say it in, in 10 seconds if you said it real quick. Our Father, what in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is. Heaven give us there our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Amen. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Right? 
He, you can say it real quick. It's a short prayer, but it's so powerful. Listen, there's, there's a key in there that we have to get. He says, hey, everything else is regular. It's God and the kingdom and, and give us our provision. It's the regular stuff, but there's a key in there. He says this. He says, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive others who trespass against us. Wait a minute. All of a sudden, it's not about just me and God. He's saying, you're good with me as long as you're good with them. You're good with me as long as you're good with them. If you're not good with them, you're not good with me. Is that really what that means? Okay, let's, let's dig in a little deeper. Matthew says, <coughs> he goes on a little further. He breaks it down. He says, for if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. So the word is saying, the measure with which we forgive is the measure that God will use to forgive us. This is so powerful. Listen to this. Watch this. In Matthew 7, he says, do not judge or you will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. With the measure you use, it will be used against you. Wait, there's more. Mark says the same thing. With the measure you use, it will be used against you. Wait, Luke says the same thing, and he adds this. He says, give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. There's a principle here that God is speaking to us, and, 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 the, and what he's saying is the measure that you give will be the measure that you get back. We, the, we I, you know, I don't think people like this kind of stuff because we, we just want to say, no, but God loves me. No matter what I do, he accepts me, and that's the message we want to hear. Oh, God is loving. God loves you. God loves you. And, and that's true. That's beautiful. But, but understand, once you, 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 you get with him, he's saying, now listen, the measure that you use... I'll use that measure for you. That's both beautiful and terrifying at the same time. God says, I'll let you decide how much you want to be forgiven. Serious? Am I making this up? Read your word. He said, I'll let you decide how much you want to be judged. I'll let you decide how much you want me to give you. Even, even God's gift, even his gifts, he said, I'll let you decide. You give and I'll give to you. With the measure you use, I'll, give, I'll use it for you. If we give generous, that's what the whole thing, tithe, but I don't even want to get into tithing because then you'll get all turned off and get offended. But that's what God is saying. With the measure you use, I'll use that for you. That's why some of us are so blessed. I'm telling you, nothing blessed. Listen, you want to talk about blessed, I, 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 get, I get the reports kind of, you know, it comes in through the email when, when people tithe online. And when I see teenagers tithing $16 and, 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 and $20 and $11, they're tithing from their checks. I say, wait a minute, some parent is doing something right. Some, some parent, hold up. Good job, mom. Good job, dad. Good job. You, you know, nothing builds that account bigger than a teenager saying, here's my $11. I'll pay the mortgage on this building with teenagers that could say, I'll give you $11. Here, I made $110. Here's $11. Here's my tithe. God is saying, you decide the measure of grace I'll have towards you. Beautiful and terrifying. Listen, God is saying that the kingdom means so much to me that the unity of my children means so much to me that I'll let you set the measure. 
This is crazy. I never heard nobody preach this before. You want to wanna judge one another? Listen, this is God saying, you want to judge one another and talk about each other and gossip and tear each other down? You know what? That's fine, but I'll use that measure against you. You are giving me the measure to use. You want to hold on to unforgiveness? You want to pay back everything that's been done to you? You want people to pay for what they've done? Listen, that's fine, and they might deserve it, but that's the measure I'm going to have to use against you. You're going to have to pay back what you've done. You're going to have to every time. So, so when you come to ask me for forgiveness for the 400th time doing the same thing that you did yesterday, remember, I'm going to use the measure that you used. Understand, God is not unsympathetic to us. The word says that he hurts with us. He feels our pain, our rejection, our hurt. But he's given us a comforter. He's given us the power and authority to walk out from under that. When we hold on to unforgiveness, we, 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 we don't hold anyone else captive, just us, ourselves. So family, you want grace? Be gracious. You want forgiveness? Be forgiving. You want God to be generous with you? Be generous. God did the good that we couldn't do so that in him we could do the good that he's called us to do. Come on, worship team. Let's come up. We got we to get this right, family. <coughs> Can you give me four more minutes? Good. I'm going to take it anyway. Um. Listen, before 1 Corinthians, it, it takes them six or seven minutes to set up, so I, I, I'm going to use that time. It takes them 10, 12 minutes sometimes to get everything set up, so let me use that time. Listen, listen before, before we get to 1 Corinthians 13, interestingly enough, um, just before this, Paul was talking about spiritual gifts and how we're all members of one body, right? And we've been talking about that a lot lately. Paul was teaching about the spiritual gifts, and he was, that's uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 11. He, he's, he's, he was teaching about all these things, and he was teaching them that not everybody gets every gift, right? So there's, there's prophets and preachers and pastors and teachers, and, and, and so we have all these different gifts, right? He's saying not everybody gets, some are for this and some are called for that, but because we're all members of one body, we have everything we need. I think there's a beautiful picture there that's saying that, and so people that say, I don't go to church, I just, I worship at home with Joel Osteen, me and T.D. Jakes, me and whatever. That's not a church. And it can't be the church. That's great. If you're sick and you had to stay home, if you want to take a break and you stay at home, if you want to listen to extra men, that's great. But that's not being part of the body. Because Paul's saying, in the body, we, God has put us in a place where we all fit in a certain, and this one does this, and this one does this, and this one does this, and this one operates here. And together we're one and we're complete in Christ. If we were all feet, we'd all be going places, but we couldn't do anything when we got there. If we were all mouths, which we tend to be, we, we never shut up long enough to learn anything. He's saying we're all important, but we're all different, and together we're complete. Watch this, 1 Corinthians 12, he says, But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose Verse 25, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. 
If one member suffers, we all suffer together. If one member is honored, we all honor together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. Paul says, earnestly desire these higher gifts, but I'll show you a more excellent way. Look, just get this. I'm almost done. This is how we get to 1 Corinthians 13. 13. Paul is telling the church, we've been given everything we need in each other because we're members of each other, but there's an excellent way beside that. The, the, the love chapter starts this way. He says, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but I don't have love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers and I understand all mysteries and knowledge and, and, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but I have not love, I'm nothing. If I give away all I have and I deliver up my body to be burned but I have not love, I gain nothing. Listen to me, church. Some people have great giftings and they believe that's all they need. But if your gifting can be connected to the other members in love... It's useless and you'll end up having your worship redirected and you'll use it for the world. You see it on American Idol all the time. You see it on all those shows all the time. The gifting that God has given them, they're using it for other stuff. Because the enemy has succeeded in redirecting. Everything that we are is a battle for our worship. Can we, can we please stand? The way I see the church and the way I, I see that, that Paul and Jesus, the way that they're talking about, the church that they're talking about and describing, man, I want that. The church should be so united that anything that comes to bring division doesn't stand a chance. It's corrected and loved over immediately. you imagine if every time in here somebody tried to talk about a little click and somebody and you say whoa chill I'm a member of that I don't even know them but I'm a member of them I don't know about you but I'm not willing for the church to be a stumbling block for the kingdom honestly and I, I, I had a talk with Pastor Burt this week I said, honestly, I'd rather shut the church down and let somebody else try it. It would be so much easier for me to be a Christian IT guy at work. Wow. That would be, I just walk around being Christian, keeping my character, fixing computers. Who cares? No stress. I don't have to carry this. I'd rather shut it down or hand give the keys to somebody and say, you take this. I, don't, I, can't, I can't be a part of a church that will be a stumbling block for the kingdom. Then what are, what are we doing here? What are we doing? We could be at the beach. We could be sleeping. But the world needs God more than ever. They need God. The world is hungry for spirituality. Everybody wants to be spiritual, but, but, but they need somebody to show them, man, that being spiritual isn't enough because the devil is spiritual. Demons are spiritual. But if the word says it's you and me who have life and God has given us abundant life, 
we got to start living it, man. We got to start showing it. People got to start saying, man, that guy, he's patient and he's kind and he's enduring and he doesn't rejoice in wrongdoing and he, he rejoices in the truth, man, and he endures all things and loves all things and no matter how bad I treat him, he still loves on me. His love endures. His love is like forever. I don't know where he gets that kind of love, but I got to find out. Then we wouldn't be able to fit people in here. And we'd have to build another church across the street and another church up the block. Notice I just took over the two mosques. And, and we'd have to, you know, we'd, because the world needs the truth, amen? They don't need a stumbling block to the truth. Can we, can we say today, listen, this week I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make sure that my worship is not redirected. Because if I'm an image bearer, I need to display his image. You don't display his image with a cross because every knucklehead wears a cross, right? A cross means nothing in the world. Everybody got a cross tattoo. I saw the commercial for, for uh, Jersey Shore, right? They all got cross tattoos. <laughs> what are you doing? Why you got a cross? Put a devil, put, a, put pornography on you because that's what you worship. So why, why, why the cross? You understand? We got to be different, amen? We got to be image bearers. That doesn't mean we're perfect, man. That doesn't mean we're going to get it right all the time. That doesn't mean we're going to... Sometimes messing up is better for us because we get to show people our real character. When we mess up and we say, bro, yesterday I lost my mind. I'm sorry. Yesterday when my boss said that or this, that, I lost my mind. And I'm sorry, that's out of character for me. And that sometimes will preach more than you walk up to your neighbor, you know, at work and say, listen, the Lord says uh, uh, Exodus 4.20. Shut up. That doesn't, you know what I'm saying? Like that doesn't, let's be real with people. Let's be image bearers. Come on, let's worship. Let's, let's direct our worship in the right way today. And happy Mother's Day. If you're new here today, tell somebody. He's not mad. He just, that's, that's just him, you know. Jesus. Thank you, Lord.
So we 
Father, we ask your forgiveness if we if we haven't been about your business. And what is your business? All you ask is to love you and to love others. Not all the time we get it right. But your patience and your kindness and your grace that you bestowed to us each and every day reminds us that we have another day to get it and to correct ourselves. So, Father, we look towards the future, but even as tomorrow is asked for your grace to be able to get it right, Lord. So, Father, just pour down on your people here this morning or this afternoon. Father, that you would shower us with your love so that we would know what real love feels like. So in turn, we would be able to share that with others, Lord. Father, we see in the world that this love has to offer, and it's, it's so conditional, and I think it's conditioned us to be that way. We ask your forgiveness, Father, because you never told us to follow that pattern because you laid out a pattern for us when Jesus gave his life for ones that didn't deserve it. So, Father, if we look at that kind of love and if we strive for that kind of love, then yes, we indeed will be the church that you love, that you pour into that you father, that you hold. But we thank you for your patience, Lord, that you have not written us off yet. Because your word will not come back void. And you will get the glory, Lord. In my life, in the lives of those that are here, in the life of your church, you will get and you will receive all the glory, Lord. Come on, can somebody bless his name this morning? <laughs>